0: You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Oh, no! We suck again!
0: Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan.
1: (laughs) The best damn football team.
0: Well, you
1: know. (laughs) Well, you (laughs) were...
0: you weren't completely floored by the performance of Mike Glennon.
1: <laughs> floored is a word. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just say um, it was a rough Sunday for me, Grump. Uh, I went to two basketball games. I saw the Knicks get blown out. I saw went to Brooklyn. Saw the Gators lose. I did my customary, you know, watch on my phone for about twenty minutes of the Giant game before I said, "Why am I wasting my time?" Click. So that was another loss. Good weekend.
0: New <laughs> I York wish I City- had. I wish I had done that.
1: New yeah. York City FC won the MLS. That was the highlight of the weekend. Grump, we were at Hammerstein Ballroom, and it was a blast. Um, I can only imagine what it's like being like in Europe if you're like a Barcelona fan, and like a million people are in a town square going off. We were like three thousand people. It was a lot of fun. So that kind of salvaged a very very bad weekend, highlighted, of course, by uh, our New York Football Giants
0: yeah i uh <laughs> i went to an i s p w wrestling match out of a church gymnasium over the weekend, which is a win for everybody really I, and then um then i then I saw the Giants on sunday that was my uh <laughs> that was my weekend
1: i'm thinking like the movie Hoosiers where they play like in these high school gyms and stuff or little barns or like, you know, people just show up and <laughs> well, what kind of wrestling is that? Is it like so, major wrestling or
0: no, 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 no. So first of all, I made that same joke while I was there, um, huh. but it actually was a very large church gymnasium. Like it was like, I don't know. It was very, very extremely big building, but, um, <laughs> it, it's like, it's, it's pro wrestlers, like a mix of like guys on the downhill, age wise and I guess popularity wise and guys on the upswing
1: so guys like from 1984 was like Jimmy he, Superfly Snook and King Tonga on the, on the card
0: yeah it's guys like that yeah so there was um oh man I can't remember his names we're reaching into like my childhood too so I don't remember <laughs> it um sounds, but yeah sounds fantastic it actually was really fun when you think about it in that setting of like a church gymnasium it's kind of ridiculous anyway um, there was a football game in a really nice stadium over the weekend, and uh that's what we're supposed to be talking about and it was it was bad news bears all over again um thirty seven to twenty one is a kind way of saying the score uh it was really thirty seven to seven um
1: and it and was just, one and it was one great play to even give it seven really
0: um <clears throat> yeah, I think so, but also. I, that's kind of also how the Chargers' secondary is. So I mean, that was like, it was a great play, but also I mean, that was kind of how you drew that that up. They, they yeah. leave kind of big gaps in there and broken tackle, and you're off to the races well, there.
1: I guess the theme for our show, and we'll get into it after you do your game recap. Cap is how this game was game planned and executed from a coaching standpoint, because that's kind of the really our big story of this, our big takeaway from this game. I mean, why don't you give us a quick game recap because you were, you know, paying more attention than I was cuz I am <sighs> I'm kind of zoned out right now
0: I don't blame you. Um, so you nailed it, right? This this game, the big takeaway is on coaching. What else can you take away from a game like this? I mean, you've got your – you know maybe your number two corner is out. So you've also got your number three corner out and your number four corner out. So you've got your number five playing the number two role. So right there already, you're evaluating a young guy you drafted completely where you don't want to have to play him. Um, you've got another dude who I don't want to make excuses for but also was just – Positive for COVID. He's first game back, potentially lingering side effects, you know, which we saw with, you know, a, admittedly a bigger kind of player with Will Hernandez last year, but you've got that going on with Logan Ryan as well. Um, you know, it's not an ideal situation, uh, not the least of which is you have a backup quarterback in. So um, the only thing you really can evaluate is the young guys you've got forced into bigger roles than they should be in, you know evaluating what you've got and you've got to evaluate the coaching decisions i mean just game planning and, in-game decisions you know things like that
1: game preparation i mean is this team is this team ready to play on a week-by-week basis do we see things getting tightened up and i don't mean necessarily you know game plans getting better every week but does this team look like it's ready to play as we're getting as we're getting into more adverse conditions i mean this this team knows their season's over. They know it's getting more and more banged up. How does this coaching staff get 47 professionals to be mentally and physically prepared to, to play each week? And these are things we have to. This is what we can look for, you know, the things we can glean for off season analysis. I mean, not just two dopey podcast hosts, but you know, the front office, whoever will be making those decisions in the GM chair, and then ultimately the owners.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's really the big spot. That's really where we're starting the evaluation here. I mean, we've got to take a step back and look at everything because things are going to change this year. I mean, we know it. Um, you can guarantee that that some things are, are changing in a big way this offseason. So we've got to take a step back and look at everything. But, you know, on the minute level here, this, this team didn't look ready in a lot of ways. Um, defensively, I thought they started off okay, but there was just a... Genuine lack of pressure being put on Herbert. I mean, it really looked like seven-on-seven seven practice for Herbert. I mean, a little bit of running around. They got a sack here or there, but for the most part, just able to throw at Will they started off okay? I, I mean, but for for the most part, they just hit the bad matchups at the wrong times. So the Chargers seemed to know what was going on. You know, the, the disguise well, just wasn't good enough.
1: Before we even talk about coaching mismatches let me just throw the question out there to you do you think this roster the guys that are playing now you think they've quit on this coach yet you think it's you think it's something as simple as that or is it just a, a hodgepodge of just bad coaching decisions and poor execution and lack of talent but or, or is it something as simple as they're going through the motions they've kind of quit on this season and inherently quit on this coaching staff
0: i think there's isolated incidents of that and i think it's a little bit more general i don't think it's like quit as in like forget this you know i'm like i'm over this whatever i'm not trying it's more like you know they're not 110 in it i'm not going to go after that ball i'm not diving for that you know, I'm missing this day of practice. My ankle—it hurts. To, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not practicing with and this it, ankle. You know, whereas you know, and you've got guys like in 2011, Ahmad Bradshaw is playing on two hurt feet. You know what I mean? That's that's what I mean. I think that's where that is probably happening, and I think that's isolated. I think there are some guys doing that. I don't think it's everyone. So I don't I think gonna, it's systemic either.
1: Yeah, and I'm also gonna. This is your. We have no idea. No,
0: like, no. This is your just guess, a guess.
1: Your guess. Do you think those isolated instances are more of a F this season or F this coach and coaching staff? What do you think?
0: I think there's probably some of both. Um,
1: because F, F this season – it happens. That's kind of human nature, I think. Yeah, I mean but also I-
0: some of that is personal, right? I mean like you look at – and I'm literally just throwing a name out there. I don't think this is the case with him at all. But you look at someone like Sterling Shepherd. tough year for him injury-wise. I mean he came out on fire. He looked real good and just little nagging things week after week with him. Um, if, if he were to just say F this season – it may not even be as broad as a a team viewpoint for him. It may just be his just having a tough year. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be a big big deal. But F this coach is definitely a bigger deal.
1: Right, exactly. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, when a new GM comes in and makes his evaluations of this coaching staff, that has to be accounted for. Is this team fighting for you Mm -hmm. in spite of, you know, a bad record, a bad situation, the stink around this team right now because you know, I we can get into this now, I guess. You know, talking about you know, a lot of people have the opinion that you need to clean complete house and it's not good to have a GM and a head coach, you know, on different cycles, I guess. And I disagree with that. I don't think, you know, I think that if a new GM is coming in with a vision, I think it's doing your due diligence to see what you have in this organization. And that means evaluating the entire roster and evaluating the coaching staff. It does not mean I'm just going to start fresh and just dump everybody and just dump the coaches. But I think that's part of that evaluation period with the new, the new coaches. Are they fighting for you? Are they, are they fighting and dying for you even though the season's over? Um, and I don't know I mean when you see lethargicness for weeks and weeks now part of that tells me that they're not only done with the season but you know I I think how much is that kind of seeping into I'm tuning these guys out to hell with them and we'll 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 it'll leak out soon enough I think the stories of what's going on in that locker room but I said, um, that's my real concern right now is that uh, I think he might be starting to lose this locker room
0: um, I think there is some instances, I think it's a little bit more of some of the guys that were brought in with him, whether it be this year or last year, brought in with him or brought him because of him and what he was building last year, uh, may have feel like may feel like this guy is you know selling magic beans you know what i'm saying i think that's the sentiment towards f this coach that i that i that i feel and which which is weird because to me what i'm most concerned about is in game stuff um i think is off the field stuff at least from what i can see you know like i said none of this is um you know we we have like 1% of the picture you know when we when we were talking about this stuff we have no idea what interactions are like behind closed doors with these guys whatever but I'll say right. this it certainly doesn't look like and, and I know I don't I don't know this isn't even an extreme example I think we see this like once every 2-3 years but I don't think that this situation is even approaching the situation that is going on in
1: Jacksonville right oh that's that's night and day I mean that yeah. was something
0: but yeah. what I'm saying is that there's a Jacksonville situation every 2-3 years And I don't think that we're approaching that. I don't think that that is like – aside from the being left in Ohio thing, I think a Vegas situation with John Gruden is a lot more uncommon.
1: Oh, well, I think a lot of that – I think the Gruden thing is – are you talking about what got him fired or just kind of his demeanor towards his team? I mean the the email stuff, that's – I'm not saying those emails, that type of situation is rare, but how it kind of comes to light and results in a guy getting fired pretty quickly, that's pretty rare.
0: Well, I mean just in general as a common trend among the NFL and its coaches, I don't think it's a common thing. We don't see that that often. Coaches getting fired for you know off-the-field public affairs versus getting fired for being horrendous coaches. You know what I mean?
1: Not X's and O's, wins and losses, specific reasons to get fired. Things that are kind of above and beyond, above the normal 9-5, 40-hour-a-week part of this job.
0: But I mean, down in Jacksonville, you've got a coach who's lost his entire locker room and his entire coaching staff, I think, at this point. That is, you know, that is absolute nightmare scenario. Where we're at is, uh, it's bad. You know what I mean? This whole season's been bad. And I'm not going to make excuses, but this is a reversible scenario. Now, we're talking about – because I don't want to deviate from the bigger point here because it seems like the GM position is going to be open this year. It seems like it's going to be a retirement thing. Um, I I wish I could say more than that because it's been weeks where we've been saying that, but I can't say that more is going to happen. We have to assume that Dave Gettleman is gone, but how do we assume that Joe Judge will be back? Well, I mean, we can't really. Um, however, we have some quotes from the press conference after this game, and I think that they're really revealing as to Joe Judge's future. So I'll hit you with this, and I want to hear your thoughts.
1: Yeah, and before you say it, I mean, you can tell by little subtle things like body language in a press conference, and you will everybody knows who follows me on twitter or even on this show knows i don't i don't really pay attention much to coach speak i don't really care what guys say in press conferences 98 percent of the time but sometimes you can gleam something out of what's been said between the actual lines so with that in mind let's read this listen to the statement and i can give you my thoughts it's the holiday season folks i'm going to eat a candy cane while we're doing this so
0: <laughs> all right. So here, here's the quote from Joe Judge from the very, very – part of a very long answer. Okay. When I took this job, I made it very, very clear I was only going to do this if we were all committed to doing this the right way. That's been something that's been very clear from ownership on down. I'm very happy with the support ownership gives. OK. So that's very revealing I think of Joe Judge's – Two
1: parts. That's very revealing to me. OK. Go ahead. Let's hear One – is the right way equivalent to my way mm-hmm. so we don't know what in his mind he means when he says that if he says we're only going to do things if done the right way it's what he thinks is the right way which is my way that could be a problem i that that to me is a little bit of a warning sign it also it goes in with the second part of that about i the coaching the front office is fully behind me Mm -hmm. that tells me that they're on board with him
0: yeah i mean it has to right
1: yeah i mean if if he was to say if like again reading between the lines what people don't say is usually more telling than what they actually say if he didn't say anything about this about having support from the ownership or from dave gettleman notice he didn't say dave gettleman Mm-hmm. From the GM, mm-hmm. the front office, he said ownership. So that to me tells me front office don't care what and says. I know he's gone. I mean, things don't things by the time we know about it have already been thought about for weeks in advance, and, and it happens in business, it happens in sports. So him not saying that, you know, Dave is behind me, tells me he's gone. Front office probably he's probably had those conversations already with them, and it's like you will be back. You are. We consider you. You know. We are building around you, Joe Judge, and whatever happens with the general manager or president of football operations, where they have to work with you. So he feels a little more empowered to say things like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said, and I, I have a question about making it go a little bit further, and sure. that's the opening part of that statement. When I took this job, I made it very, very clear. So. To me, that – now, you know, just to flash back a little bit to Joe Judge's interview, Matt Rule and his people called the New York Giants, told them the offer that the Carolina Panthers gave him and inquired if they were willing to match so he could come in for his interview. And this was after the Joe Judge interview where apparently he knocked their socks off. They told him not to bother. So this was apparently a very convincing interview uh, enough to not even want to bring Matt Rule in to talk. Um, who it's, actually, I,
1: I, it, it's really interesting, Grump, because the way he phrases it, it's like they were knocked – not only was the general – the uh, ownership socks knocked off. They were knocked – their socks were knocked off because this guy was demanding what he wanted. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just kind of like almost like they're under his spell like – this guy's great. We better do exactly what he wants, which is amazing for a guy with no real background as a head coach. Hmm. No real track record.
0: Well, not only that, but it, it makes me wonder if there's some level of guarantee here.
1: You mean like in his contract or yeah, just
0: – In his contract. I mean it, he sounds rock solid sure.
1: Well, coaches are – I mean – we saw the Urban Meyer presser yesterday. That looks like a guy that's not rock-solid sure he'll be back next year. <laughs> that's
0: the guy who looks like he's rock-solid sure if he has anywhere to go tomorrow.
1: <laughs> like I think we should go to the JIA tomorrow and wait for the uh, departing flights and see if he's on any of them. That's what it looks like with him. Exactly. But, you know, these guys are all – all of these guys, coaches, players. They're the most confident people on the planet. You have to be. You have to have that level of arrogance, that level of security to rise, you know, to be competitive, to beat out the best of the best to achieve the level of success you are. For a guy like Joe Judge, there's only thirty two head coaches in the NFL. You have to be a confident, arrogant prick to get to that point. So yeah. He thinks that he's you know, again, things the right way, my way, it's working. You know, I need time to implement this. Coaches don't have the same time frame as general managers or ownership where it's like – or fans or media where the turnaround has happened yesterday. You know, hot seat talk after 25 games. That's not the way these guys look at it. They, they say, I have a process. This process will take X amount of years, X amount of draft cycles, X amount of free agency things, X amount of coaches, blah, 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 blah. So he thinks he's right on schedule probably. You know, maybe not looking at it from wins and losses, he probably has his own metrics of this is where I need to be to get this team turned around and going. So, yeah, why why would he think otherwise?
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I I don't know. I I just I feel like the confidence is backed up by something. Maybe not a guarantee, but maybe weekly assurances that we've got your back you know you'll be back next year I know what you're doing we discussed this I have no idea it just it feels like there's some level of something behind it
1: I think it's probably that he's had a conversation with Mara in the relative recent I'm gonna say right completely guessing this week that hey this is bad you know how frustrated I am you know I kicked a garbage can after a game you know, all this, you know, there's going to be change in the front office, blah, 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 blah. We like what you're doing, like your philosophy, like your headspace. We like you. You will be around. And that you're right. That probably has emboldened him a little bit. I don't think it's a financial thing because contracts are contracts. I mean, we if if they fire Urban Meyer tomorrow, he gets paid the rest of his contract. Right. So, you know, this, I, I think this is more of a word among men that he'll be back which I don't necessarily agree with. I'm not sure how you feel. Agree
0: that okay yeah. Agree with the idea of bringing him back?
1: The idea of bringing him back the idea of a I'm guaranteeing you're coming back regardless of what happens. That's where I have a problem because to me uh, again I, I said a little while ago I have no problem bringing in a GM and keeping the coach but they have to be able to work together, and that GM is in charge. He makes the call, and if he feels that this is a, a, a coach that cannot execute based on the roster that this GM will give him, he has the right to move on. So if, if a guarantee was coming in and we have to fit a round GM into a square coach hole, that's a problem. That's a very bad analogy. But yeah. there's an off-
0: FCC violation. Yeesh. Right.
1: <laughs> but you're starting off on the wrong foot immediately.
0: No, so I, I agree with you. And here here's where I'm going to jump in here. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with, with um, retaining Joe Judge. Um, we'll get into in-game decisions from this game, by the way, because we're talking about him, and that's important. But I don't necessarily disagree with that. And I, I agree with you, right? You've got to be able to get... A general manager that shares your coach's philosophy if you're going to keep him. In general, this is what you need. A general manager and a head coach that are on the same philosophical page and can work together as men. You know what I mean? Just personalities meshing. Uh, Very important. But you're right. I mean if you want to bring in a GM – who's going to work with the coach, they're going to work together. But ultimately, the GM has to be in charge and able to let the coach go if that is needed because that is how the hierarchy works. You can't have a co-system, but they should be working together on 95% of what their jobs are. Agreed. Um, So, you know, it's a tricky situation. But I will say this. I think it's easier to pick one of the two. I think it's way harder to be hiring both at the same time. I know everyone has this philosophy of firing everyone and cleaning house and then starting over. And I I get that. But what are the odds that you're going to hit on a GM and a coach in the same year that are looking for positions that want to join your terrible organization – and have a shared philosophy, be able to work together. I mean, really think about that. Isn't let's, it easier to have one that you trust and believe in the philosophy? Kind of a little bit. Maybe he needs a better roster. You bring in a GM, or vice versa. You know.
1: Let's 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 be in a little reality for next year. This team is probably not going to be very good next year, right? I mean, this is not a playoff team next year, where you know. So having kind of knowing that, I think that's where you keep Joe Judge for next year, but like on an evaluation period. You know what I mean? You're not not wasting a year of a playoff window next year. I guess that's my point.
0: Yeah, I I think also part of that not guaranteeing anything for him. I mean if for no good reason at all, Bill Belichick is fired and looking for a job, I mean – I'm sorry, Joe Judge. You know what I mean? You know, nothing is on the table
1: for you. Of course. I mean, like, you know, like Tim Tebow, after he throws a touchdown in in the playoffs to, you know, RIP to to Demarius Thomas, Hmm. he thought he was going to be the uh, starting quarterback of of Denver next year. And all of a sudden, Peyton Manning becomes available. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but all bets are off because Peyton Manning's available. You know, Jameis Winston probably would have been back in Tampa Bay for another year but oh Tom Brady decides that he wants to go to Tampa next year goodbye Jameis yeah I mean situations do change uh, but you have to plan for the most likely course of action not the well what if something great happens type correct
0: thing. yeah um, now let's let's transition here to a little bit of that kind of philosophy and I think it kind of sounds like Joe uh, Dave Gettleman when he joined, but let's see. So this is still Joe Judge from the presser, but a little later on. You've got to put all the places in oh, – I'm sorry. You've got to put all the pieces in place over time. There are a lot of examples of teams that have come in and had quick success and then filtered out quickly. But there are better examples of teams that have collectively gone together and put the team together the right way over the course of a few seasons and had sustained success over time. So he's referencing that same right way that he referenced you know, earlier.
1: Okay, so let me ask you the question then. I know these are big caveats. The injuries, COVID last year. Do you feel that this organization, from however many games he's been the coach now, 28, 29 games, is being built the right way? And do you feel it is overall... Trending towards their building something, or is it trending down into chaos and confusion?
0: I think that over the course of the last four years there has been no consistent way that this team was being built. But in the last two years I've seen kind of a direction. Um The last two years have felt like more successful execution of what the previous two years were supposed to be. Basically, it looked a lot more like Judge and Gettleman agreed on what the right pieces for that philosophy looked like than Shermer and Gettleman agreed. I'm not saying either is right or wrong. I'm saying that there was a difference of opinion in in what those people looked like. So you got a mishmash of ideas. Um, also, Shermer had the short end of the stick of being first, um, so he was stuck with the cap-cutting roster, whereas Judge was not. Um, and th- those first two seasons were were bizarre. I mean, we we failed to we decided to invest heavily in in running backs and running the ball, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. But the attempt to rebuild the offensive line was done with a bunch of B-grade guys. Instead of going the opposite route of getting the A-grade offensive linemen and then getting the B-grade running backs, we decided to do the other thing. And
1: but but those, are, those are Gettleman things. We, we can parse that out to say that was roster building. And that's not necessarily you know, the building this the right way. I mean, do you? Let me rephrase the question then. Do you think, as part of building it the right way, he is actually building it? (laughs) Does that make sense? Like, is he is is he executing his plan of building something, and is it being executed well enough that he should be continuing to put that culture in that foundation and that infrastructure in place?
0: Well, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna say flat no. Because, I mean, I, I think that – again, I think that the, the concentration on the offensive line – I hate I hate to make it like that, but I'm going to make it like that. The, the concentration on the offensive line is getting back to that philosophy and I think that there was a return to that philosophy and a real emphasis put on it last year in terms of building it the right way. There was – in terms of roster execution with obtaining Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, and Matt Parrott all in one draft, you know – and then bringing in as much help as you can to the offensive line. Joe Judge adre- spending weeks with the offensive line instead of you know bouncing around because that's where it needed to be. In that sense of building it the right way, I, I think so. But what I'm going to say no is that over the last two years, I haven't really – I can't point to too many players and say that they got better. So you're not actually building anything. Yeah, not, and, and, not right way not wrong way you're literally not building i think exactly and
1: also after two years i can't tell you what this team is i can't tell you
0: well i mean I, I
1: can't i can't tell you what what their identity is at all and i get it. there's injuries but everybody has injuries and you i mean know, you
0: literally fired a coach in the middle of the year you're not going to have an identity from this year
1: exactly and that's what i mean it's like I don't know what we are, and after a year and a half, almost two years to still say, Where are we? You know what what are we trying to do? I don't think that I don't know, I'm not saying this is a fire him on the spot thing, but it's definitely something in the negative category if I'm evaluating his building it the right way. It's like, what are we building? Right? there's a it's like when you kind of when you walk by an empty lot and you see a sign saying, coming soon' new office tower and then two years later you drive by it again and that same sign is there and it's still weeds growing it's like alright well how do I know the office tower is being built
0: oh are you are you talking about the, the American dream <laughs> which is yeah. ironically right I mean, next door
1: exactly yeah I mean I, I don't know I well,
0: look look I, I'm not I'm going to be completely fair here because I have to say I think, but I think it's a pretty educated guess here. I don't think that this is going way out on a limb, but it is, I think. I think that the identity of this team is to be a run-heavy, run-first-and-throw-play-action-off-of-it team. Think a little bit like the Tennessee Titans. I think that's what Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman and the Maras agreed the direction of this team was going to be. Now, I think that Joe Judge is a hands-off CEO kind of guy. I think he lets his coaches coach. Now, if Jason Garrett's idea of that team is what he brought in, I believe Joe Judge just let him run his offense. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think that the direction was to build it a certain way, and Jason Garrett's version of that and Joe Judge's version of that don't exactly mesh.
1: So Jason Garrett kind of blows a lot of these theories out of the water then. So if Joe Judge in that statement before said, I made it clear when I agreed to this that it would be done the right way, one or two things happened with Jason Garrett, which makes no sense from that statement. Either Jason Garrett was thrust upon him by ownership, which doesn't sound like the right way which implies my way or he hired a guy that does not run the basic principles of what he believes is his plan for success well so either scenario kind of worries me a little bit about
0: i i think it's i think it's a little bit of a third scenario that's like a mix of both i think from what i understand of the situation is that Jason Garrett was heavily suggested from ownership. Um, I think also that that vacancy happened after Joe Judge was. Mm, I think I think that's right. Joe Judge was head coach before Pat, um, Jason Garrett was fired officially. Um, whatever the the point is, is that I'm. What I understand is that Jason Garrett was heavily suggested by the Maras. Now, again, if they agreed on this general principle of how they wanted to build an offense, then, you know, what, like exactly what I'm saying, just Jason Garrett's version of that is just outdated, isn't run well, doesn't take advantage of Daniel Jones, that's fine, but... I, we all think that the mayor is suggesting a coaching opportunity for your new head coach is overstepping, right?
1: I completely agree.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that Joe Judge is put in a scenario as a first-time head coach to oblige the team that just hired him. You know,
1: But that flies in the face of – Building it the right agreed, way. Before I agreed to this, before yeah. I demanded – d- that sounds like a guy who's like. But, but
0: what I'm saying is he might have agreed to it at that time because they they sold him on the idea of Jason Garrett is a Smash Mouth first, you know, whatever guy. This is what he believes in as well. Give him a shot, you know, whatever. Joe yeah, brings you know him something? in. Garrett says the same fucking shit. You,
1: you could also do, you know, you could spend one day watching film, you know, talking to colleagues around the league and know that's not true.
0: That's also true, yeah.
1: You know, so, I mean, just because they say it, I mean. I don't know. There's something that's just not jiving with me between that and Jason He may Garrett, have also just bought a lemon.
0: You know what I mean? He may have just been sold by the Maros and Garrett himself and bought a lemon.
1: Are you talking about hiring Garrett?
0: Yeah, judge. It's, it's just pick- very possible that he was just sold a bill of goods that never came to fruition. Sold
1: that goods by Garrett?
0: Sure. And and yeah. the Maros. I mean just sold in the well, interview.
1: Well, again, I've I- I've in
0: the past hired people I shouldn't have.
1: Yeah. I but got again, sold I, I'm completely fine with that if Garrett sold him a bag of bill of goods but again, if, if it's the mayor's mm-hmm. strongly, strongly implying again, there is no playbook no plan for success that says I'm taking recommendations not from even from my GM, but from my owner, because owners are fans you know, there there's very, very, very rare instances where a guy off the street because he buys a team thinks he has the expertise and the knowledge to run an organization or even make really informed decisions and uh something is off there so we we can move on from this thing but already red flags uh, you know the, the my alert is going off on his statement and what actually happened
0: yeah i think i agree with you there um and just one more thing on, on Mara. I, yeah. I just don't really like John Mara in general. I think he's had a bad track record as owner since he's taken over in terms of just press. I mean, he's not really good with PR. He's had to endure multiple scandals. And I just, I think his, by scandals, I mean with the team, not personally. Just embarrassing things with, you know, the Josh Brown thing, you know, came out and spoke and now he had to eat some crow. Eli Manning, you know, Tom Coughlin, I mean, is a huge one. All sorts of bad bad news bears with him. But but most annoying. He has been bad. Yeah. But I I just hate this shit where he throws a tantrum and kicks some garbage cans over after the game. Listen, man, I don't throw a tantrum after this game. I don't throw a tantrum after any game. You know, I don't kick things over because we lose. I know he's got a ton invested in this team, but he's also making a pretty huge return whether they win or lose. I don't want – it just feels like false kind of uh, acting.
1: You're right. And I almost feel like it's almost like when you see, oh, he kicked over a can after, it sounds almost like a planted story.
0: Yeah, it does. We
1: we have to see, like, something like that happens when it first breaks, who's the first person who reported it and go back and say, is this a ownership friendly, uh, you know, newspaper or reporter or whatever, or is it just, you know, something else? Because that sounds like. I'm one of the fans. I'm as frustrated as you are out there. Yeah, and it's, look, I'm it's so, so annoying. Yeah, it doesn't seem genuine. It doesn't seem like doesn't do anything. It's like okay, he kicked over a can. So what? Yeah, you know, those then, those, doing, those
0: shots of him in the owner's box throwing chairs and shit. Yeah, like, you know,
1: I, you know, I don't Daniel buy Starbucks, it. It's all you got. I right.
0: I, I, just, I just don't buy that business. this this billionaire cares so much about his team losing by a field goal you know what i mean that he's gonna throw a tantrum and slam his own chair on the ground like i just
1: after like if he was that pissed you'd see like a coach fired the next week or something doesn't happen
0: yeah i i I just i don't know i just it it irks me and it doesn't matter it really doesn't to be honest with you he's just an owner and if they always his job really is to hire the right people and not fuck up all he has to do is do that and just sit back so I don't
1: care I care so little about owners yeah that's what I mean of, of any sport because like you know if I buy a car I'm not worrying about like what's the reaction of you know Henry Ford or whatever any of these guys it's like why does it matter so much in sports why why does Jerry Jones get you know a camera shot twice a quarter in a Monday night game it's like who cares? Yeah, it's so silly.
0: Um, all right. So you know there are certain things I like about Joe Judge, um, but one thing I am not sold on whatsoever with him, and I am challenging people to to point to some evidence somewhere where I should be is in game decision making. And this game had all kinds of it, and also game game planning. I guess. Uh, let's start with punting on the plus side of the field on the opening drive. I mean, we, fourth we and did- two
1: this is a broken record no 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 no
0: but this is this is a higher level of stupid we've got Mike Lennon casually walking off the field after not gaining enough on third down. Then he's got the alert to get the troops together. They all turn around. They run back into half of a huddle. And then they don't really break the huddle. And then they all run off and the special teams come on. OK, so now we're punting. We don't want to waste our timeouts, Joe Judge. Come on. First drive of the game. We're already going to call timeout. No, we're going to run our punt team out there and force a punt with one second left on the play clock. And no surprise, it gets it's a touchback.
1: Meanwhile, while the defense is just standing there like, Whenever you guys are done with your fun and games, yeah, you know, really, can continue. I mean, You're not fooling anybody, and it's ridiculous. It's you know, it, it's a couple of things. One, it just shows complete indecision. You, you, the really good no coaches, one's
0: prepared.
1: Yeah, the really good coaches know what they're going to do with these scenarios. They have it all. They have all these things considered. You know, in May, you know, like what am I going to do if this sort of thing happens? They have it tucked away. They have uh, uh, an army of assistants around them, and, and coordinators and things to say, "Hey, this situation. We're doing this." If you know, it, it just you just look optics. We're getting to the point now with this coaching staff and with Joe Judge, where optics do matter, and that just looks like a team that just is not prepared and just chaos and disorganization, and that's not good. That's not winning you over from anybody.
0: Not at all. I mean, I'm gonna skip over the, the. No, I'm not. Just yeah. No, you know what? I am. I'm gonna skip over this for now, and I'm gonna go right into what I want to say here. And uh, it, it speaks to the identity of this team as well. We, we game plan oh. here. We game plan. Uh, you would hope to exploit weaknesses and and use your own strengths against another team, right? You would hope um, every
1: coach in college, NFL, wee does that exact philosophy.
0: Right. Um, and what confuses me is this is supposed to be a team that's going to, his own quote, Joe Judge, punch them in the nose or smash them in the mouth or whatever the hell it was. And <laughs> and that's for this game. I know he says that you know from time to time and it, as to the identity of this team in general. But he said that specifically for this game as well. And... Um, they don't really try to run the ball. I mean, they do a lot of this wacky garbage with handoff to pitch to guy on the jet sweep, pitch back to the quarterback to throw the screen back to the original guy. I don't know what that is. And more importantly, on 4th and 9, we're going to run a fake punt where you have Riley Dixon throwing a pass to Keon Crossan. Riley Dixon well, is probably quarterback six on this roster. Keon Crossan is probably wide receiver 50 on this roster. Why can't we just run a fourth and nine play where we have the best players we have running the play?
1: Well, our best player is not getting targeted enough anyway in a normal situation, so that's part of the problem. I said this, I think, four weeks ago. You and did. I was like, I said, enough of the trick plays, enough of trying to outsmart them we're not this is a very 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 smart league. there are very very smart coaches especially since doug peterson's no longer a coach you don't have to think that you can outsmart your competition the only way you will win and i feel sometimes with this team that they try to think if i can trick them not the difference between exploiting their weaknesses and just trying to surprise them. And we do not enough of the former, which was your preamble into this, and too much of the latter. Too much of the the end around. Too much of the I'm going to line up, though I'm not going to line up. Too much of the you know, well I'm going to fake it, or I'm going to have my puncher throw it. it. It's a lack of confidence in thinking what you can do will work and it never works it never works for this team it never works for bad teams it works for good teams because you're doing tricking off of of things that are normally working if something is not working a trick play is never effective because you're not tricking anybody that shit's not working in the first place (laughs) if you if you if you can run the ball down somebody's throat that's when play action's better you know or you know if, if if you are just being successful running your offense, that's where trick play is more successful. Not in desperation. They never work that way. So I, I – it might, it
0: might work in that one instance when you're desperate. But it once won't work sustained – yeah. I mean if it becomes part of your offense, it's not going to be – I would rather they go into this game and be like, look, our advantage here, as weird as that sound, is going to be running the ball and just – come up with 10 running plays and 10 passing plays to run off of that and just work on those every day in practice and and just really get those plays to actually get the timing right between all 11 guys because they can't do that yet. And, and just been- and I would rather lose in the most boring fashion that way than lose with punters throwing passes and, and three backwards passes before a forwards pass. Bullshit. Right. It, that, that to me isn't even an offense. That's like... That's, that's like, like
1: playing. That's like playing Sega Football or Nintendo. Just like hit the A button and just all every time and see if it works. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And exactly. also,
1: I'll, I'll take you a step further. Simplify the offense, and get it the ball in the hands of your best playmakers.
0: Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, you design the best plays to win that game, right. and just only run those. Just forget. Just get you, them you, down right.
1: You spent a lot of money for Kenny Galloway. Target him. You have – you spent a, the second overall pick in the draft on a guy who's relatively healthy right now. He's not 100 percent obviously, but he is well enough. He can play. Run the ball with him. I, I, I think there's too much trying to – I think they're reading a little bit of their press script and a little too much of like, well, it's a pretty loaded wide receiver room even though there's some injuries. Lots of weapons out there. And you got to spread it around a lot. No, your best guys force feed it if you have to.
0: I mean, I'm just saying, like, if if your offense isn't working, figure out what you're best at and just run that. Trick plays is not what you're best at. No one's good at trick plays. Trick plays are just the element of surprise and the fact that you executed that play enough in practice to not have a timing error or a screw up. Trick plays are for Super Bowls. Trick plays are for this game is the only game that matters forever. You know what I mean? This moment right here. That's what a trick play is for. Not some week six game against a non-conference team because you can't block. Um, You know what I mean? And it's not like, oh, Andrew Thomas is out. We can't block. It's like, oh, four-fifths of our offensive line is out. We will not block this year. You know, at that point you're creating a new identity for your offense. You're either going to run that offense with those guys or just figure something else out. I don't know. I, I can't stand that shit and I don't know I don't know what's going to happen here, but I do know that this offseason is going to be very, very, very interesting. We're going to see a lot of moves going around. GM, coaches, there's gonna be some movement here. So player be sure. Movement. Yeah. A lot
1: of a lot of player movement too. This roster is going to look significantly different and you know don't assume who you think will be on this roster next year because you're going to be so let's see a lot of surprises a lot mm-hmm. of big names that are not going to be giants next year
0: agreed so be sure to follow us on twitter I am at football underscore grump. He is at the cranky fan. And this show is at just giants pod, it can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, and more. And of course, this show is available on YouTube as well. So be sure to like and subscribe that. And we will see you guys for our next game Friday morning. Go Giants. Go giants.